Welcome to the Victory Podcast, where we explore life, leadership, and journey. I'm your host, Amy Forsyth, and today I'm pleased to welcome our guest, a retired Marine Corps officer and a protocol expert, Misty Cook. Welcome to the show, Misty. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy, for having me. It's great to connect with you and um, learn more about your journey through the Marine Corps as a Mustang is what they call prior enlisted turned officer. And now you're launching your own business to help and advise some of our military senior leaders, but just a fascinating story of your journey and uh, the next phase of life for you. So um, tell us, let's, let's rewind. Let's go back to uh, just after nine 11 is when you were inspired to, to join the Marines. Tell us where you were and, and what brought you into the Marine Recruiting Office. Yeah, so um, it was June is when I went into the recruiting office and I was really just kind of, I was after high school and I was thinking about um, getting some experience. I was interviewing and people just kept saying more experience. And I thought, how am I going to get experience if nobody offers a chance, right? And I was going to college and I kept saying I was going to be a Marine officer. Um, and so I decided to enlist and I enlisted in June. I went off to recruit training in January of 2002. And then um, throughout that, for the next couple of years, I was just going to school in the evening and, uh, and just kind of balancing uh, just regular Marine Corps life and, and school. And eventually um, somebody had come across, had said, you know, you should look into the Marine Enlisted Commissioning Education Program. And so I did, and uh, and actually I worked hand in hand with an adjutant, which would affect my choice later in life. Um, that really kind of helped me get the package together and submit. And so I um, I was selected, and and then I went, and you basically can select a school that has a ROTC unit, and I, I selected the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, and and so that's where I started my commissioning kind of career uh, after I enlisted. Well, that's wonderful. So where were you stationed when you were enlisted uh, before you went to college? Yeah, so I started in Cherry Point and then I moved to Buford. And so after Buford is where I left, um, I had put in my package, but it was during PCS. And so I put my package in when I left. And um, and during my tour in Buford is when I got selected for MESEP. Well, that's wonderful. So attending the Citadel, I mean, must have been just an amazing experience, especially for, for a woman. But as a prior Marine, enlisted Marine, I'm sure it was a cakewalk for you. Yeah, I mean, I think they do such a fabulous job. I mean, like the reason I selected the school in the first place was just the preparation that when you talk to NISEP, there's a lot. Like that school's got a really great reputation for a great RTC unit. And then as Marines, you know, you want to help the next generation. And so that's a whole school of men and women that are considering going into the service. So they have access to you to be able to ask questions and you can inspire somebody else to choose that path, right? And so um, the school itself was fantastic. The experience, the town, um, I did have a different experience in some Citadel cadets because as a MESAP, you're a day student. And so you don't have to do um, some of those things that, you know, cadets that live on campus. Um, but we did get all the same opportunities and, and the training to prepare you for um, OCS and things like that. So that was a really helpful way of doing it. By some people that go to school, they might only have two or three fellow ROTC unit, you know, people in that entire school. And, and it was a, a much 
closer to a close-knit unit than some schools could be. What a great experience. So then you went back um, as a brand new uh, second lieutenant in the Marine Corps and completed the rest of your time and uh, just recently retired. So tell us where you were stationed and what, yeah, what your job was. So, um, so after I, when I commissioned, I, um, I, I, my first, I mean, I think I was in the fleet for about 60 days, maybe, and we were in Iraq. So, um, Camp Blue's June is where I started. And then, um, I, once I came back and I had went to the regiment, I was an adjutant by trade. And so I started, that's when I started to kind of get interested in protocol, um, had a little bit of experience while overseas because there was a lot of guests and things that we were hosting and it was kind of fell on an adjutant or an F1 to, to take care of those guests. Um, so when I went back, I started looking into schools and any kind of education and DOD itself does not really have a, an, a school for protocol officers. Um, so I found a civilian school that I attended and that really is what started to spark my interest on just how important it is, those details on experiences and hosting people and, and how you can really make a difference. It's just, you know, it's like if you don't, um, if you don't have it, then, then you notice. And so I just felt like, man, it'd be really great to be behind the scenes and make um, those situations for men and women that are hosting counterparts um, a, a lot better. So uh, I did that. And then I left and went to Paris Island. And I did my billet there as a series commander. And following that tour, which, of course, I mean, I look fondly back on the um, the growth. Um, I, you know, there's this, you know, idea of going back and you think it's the same way it's going to be as a recruit. and uh, and it just isn't. Um, and, uh, but gosh, the professional growth that you get, um, working right, you know, with men and women that are just type A personalities and, uh, and just there to inspire the, the next generation was just, um, a mark for sure in my professional career that I'll never forget. And then I left and so, went to, uh, let, yeah. me, let me stop you there. So for people who out there listening don't know, what that means is that you are an officer in charge of the recruit training of women. And so that is such a, an amazing experience in human behavior, right? Uh, I mean, the recruits and training these young women and men to become Marines, you just, it's where the rubber meets the road when you're talking about the desire and the passion to serve our country and the care and feeding it takes to make that happen. So you are a part of that. So we thank you for that. Those lights to lights days and nights uh, are, are tough. You got to love it to, to get through that's that. True. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing is the drill instructors, right? Like to be that, to be in charge of those drill instructors, they teach you so much because they push you and they do not let up, right? And they want to make sure that um, that they're proud of that unit that, you know, that guide on is for everybody, not just those recruits. And uh, and so you just want to be the fastest and the, you know, walk the furthest. And you just never, you know, you just can't let your guard down because they're right behind you, making sure that you're leading from the front. So, yeah, it was such a, a, a really important part of my career and made me, um, you know, carried a lot of leadership lessons from that experience for sure. I can imagine. I can ma imagine. So then you transitioned into your next role from there. Yeah. So I left um, Paris Island and I went to EWS. And so I went up to school and 
And I knew from that point that I was like, I really wanted to, they asked what I wanted to do next. And I knew I wanted to do protocol. Um, and so that's where I went to special projects directorate. That office is the one that does the EOSs, the GOSs, which is general officer symposium, the fleet week and marine week. So anytime we have multiple general officers and we're hosting events, that's the office that does it. And so that was really a good, um, you know, experience for me to plan an event, a week long event, things like that, to just identify what is missing. Like you get to see real time how well you actually planned that. Cause then you see what happens when you don't have certain things in place. Right. And so that was a great experience. And, um, a couple months into that tour, I was asked to join the Commonwealth Protocol Office. And, uh, and so that was, you know, I mean, I wish to wake up and say, pinch me, because, I mean, to just kind of come from where I came from in this small town in Texas to where we are today. And I was like, man, I'm on, you know, some G7 flying to, you know, Iwo Jima. And I just, it was just an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that was really that, that year was with General Dunford. It was like crossover between the Amos's and the Dunford. And um, so just getting to see what that looks like, um, hosting counterparts from other countries. Um, you know, dinners and events at the house or the parade every Friday. Um, and then just going to other countries and being hosted and how important it is to learn culturally, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, like it's the risk was representing not just the service, but the country. Right. And so really understanding what, um, what was acceptable in their country and learning it and educating our team so that we were ready when we hit the ground to do the right things for that, for that country and represent the U S correctly. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, and being in public affairs, we, we get to, uh, both of us have had front row seats to some of the most amazing experiences and, you know, <laughs> the detailed planning that goes into those executive and senior level meetings is is um, second to none. I mean, the the level of detail, but, you know, you obviously thrive in that environment. And so now you've been able to learn all those uh, tips and tricks and your expertise and translate that into a, a career and a business model now that you've just recently retired. So share a little bit about that. Um the spark that went off to say, hey, I, I should do this uh, and convert my experience into a business. Yeah. You know, I actually said something to General Reynolds one day when I was in Paris Island. And I said, you know, someday I, I just want to be somebody's somebody. And, um, and I just, you know, I used to say that because I would go like out into the hallway and the chief would ask me, where would you go? And I'm like, well, I just, you know, went to drop something off. And he's like, well, don't, because we need you here. You know, and I just, I knew, like, I wanted to be somebody that they depended on, right? And uh, so when I saw the level of detail and the the, the, um, the preparation that goes into hosting those men and women, and to get them to walk in the door and be able to focus on what they're supposed to answer and what they're supposed to make decisions on, they really can't, um, you know, I don't want them to spend their time worrying about something that I can handle. And so if I can think of every detail before they do and just be able to tell them and then they can stay what we say 30,000 feet, right? So stay up the top of these strategic thoughts and then let me be in the tactical area. Then that was like my goal. And so I ran it, um, into General Kelly at a retired 
EOS once and I was asking him about, you know, his experience and this was years before I retired Amy. So it was, um, I mean, it was swirling around my mind. I'm like, well, how I could do this, um, for almost five years, I think. And, um, and it almost became a hobby as to planning what this is going to look like when I got done. And, uh, and he told me some of the challenges that were occurring and they weren't done serving, right? So they're 35 years into their career. They retire, but they have so much experience that industry would love to leverage. And so how do you get them in front of them? And what they don't really, they don't think about growing up to be an entrepreneur or being a business owner. They want to be a consultant and they want to do what they do best. And so I was like, I'm going to create a company that helps them walk through this process, standing up their business, standing up the systems, the organization, and all the things I did as a staff secretary and as a protocol officer to get them prepared to walk in that room. Well, I can still do that while they're retired. Let me get them prepared to walk in that room and be the best consultant they can be without worrying about the details. And so I was like, that's what I decided to do was just recreate almost the G-level staff that they're used to having. So um, that started while I was active duty, just starting to plan it. And, and as I got closer, I knew that was, um, that was the way I was gonna, I was gonna go. Well, that's wonderful. It sounds like you've had some good, um, some other, uh, leaders, business leaders, senior officers to that you can lean on to bounce ideas off of. Um, you mentioned general Lori Reynolds, who many people know, and, um, you're you're close with her and some other senior senior leaders in the Marine Corps, and now people are noticing your skill and expertise with your business, Concierge on Call, and uh, you can they can connect with you on LinkedIn. Of course, you're you're active on LinkedIn, and where you share some advice and tips and and guide people through that. Um, but I'd love to ask you if you had t- three top tips for a successful life and some tips out there for people who are either ready to transition into civilian life from military or executives out there um, who are looking to, to level up their, their game for a successful life. What have you learned over the course of your career and what would you like to share with people? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing is um, is to be brave. I think that, you know, there's a lot of people. Um, some people are cheering for you and some people aren't, right? And so at the end of the day, that voice inside you that gets you up in the morning that you know your purpose, you just have to go for it. You only get one chance at it. And so you can kind of get frozen if you just, you know, stop and you aren't brave enough to just take a step. So if that's what you want to do, I'd say, um, I think that's so important. Um, the other thing is just trying to figure out, people always ask, wow, that's so fascinating that you kind of created what you used to do and you make it your business. And um, and I never really looked at it like that. I just, you know, I just felt like that's what I want to do. I want to be able to enable somebody to be able to be the best they can be. And I'm doing something that I'm good at. And so if we can both be excellent, then I think we're more powerful together. Um and so I think, you know, finding something that you absolutely love and trying to figure out how to make that a business instead of trying to go find a job and hoping you love it. 
So my third thing would probably be making sure that your why is aligned with what you do. So like my purpose, like when I say that I wanted to be somebody, somebody, I still wanted to be the CEO. Like there was no, like I still wanted to be in charge and make decisions and, and create something out of like my imagination. But I also appreciate what these men and women, like the value that they bring. And so my why is to be able to enable them to do what they do. And, and so that gets me up in the morning because I mean, I'm grateful when I get a note that says, thanks for doing that. Or I was able to attend a conference for the week, but then when they get home, they have a week worth of calendar, you know, invites and things that are happening. And I've made decisions for them to enable their business. So I think just getting up in the morning and knowing I don't have a case of the Sundays or the Mondays, you know, I, I just get up and know this is so exciting. I just created something out of my mind that I know is a needed, um, you know, service. So uh, I think that is important. If you were to look back and say, what was the one biggest professional regret or perspective that you have? What would that have been? What is that? Yeah. I thought about this. Um, you know, I think when um, when you are growing up and you're trying to fit in, um, I wish that I just, there were times that I might have doubted, you know, they would say, you know, you smile too much or you're too happy or, um, you know, just tone it down. And I, I probably was a happy Marine. Uh, I know I was, but that's my personality, right? Like, and so I think looking back, I just tried, there was times in my career that I felt like maybe I should do that. And, and now I would look back and just whisper to her and say, you do you, you know, like be who you are. Don't try to fit into what people think a Marine is supposed to be. Um, Because I think just the most genuine person you can be is, um, is really my advice to somebody that's kind of trying to figure out who they are in life, you know, especially those early you know, lieutenant captain when you're just trying to figure it out. So yeah, I, w- I wish I could have told her like, don't listen to that. Just be sunny and, and love your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, if you have a smile, you're smiling in the Marine Corps, you haven't been punished enough. So I know there's a lot of that. So especially for women out there, you know, in business and in the military, it's just smile if you want to don't, yeah, don't listen to anyone. Right. To tell you uh, how how to respond to something or have a uh, cheerful or positive disposition. Um, so, what's next for you? What's coming up around the corner? What are we? What are you working on that you'd like to share with people? Yeah. So, um, a couple of things. I think a lot of people reach out and they ask. You know, I'm not a general officer. I'm not. Um, you know, your ideal audience. So, but I would really love help. I mean, there's a lot of great you know, um, there's every rank, there are people that have this niche, you know, consulting capability they could bring. Um, and it's just at different levels, right? And so I think that there is something there that I need to help out other, um, not just the senior enlisted, I mean, the senior enlisted or the senior officers or even the SESs, which is really my focus to really kind of get, get them up and running. Um, so I think 2023, I'm going to try um, to have a course that is um, something that I can tailor to just getting ready, transitioning, um, a, a networking 
strategy. I think, you know, sometimes they'll come and they'll say, I have a great network. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Where are they? And how do you reach them, right? Because you can leverage on social media and you can reach thousands. But if they're just in your inbox inside of Outlook, that's really not going to do you any good. And so how do you talk to them? So kind of teaching people um, how to expand your network and don't wait until you're, you know, EASing or you're transitioning, but to do it six months, a year out and really be intentional about it. And then a social media strategy and things that are going to be across the board important, not just for general officers and FPSs and sergeants major, but for the lieutenant colonel or the colonel um, that wants to get out and be a consultant and um, start their business. So I want to create kind of a course um, that'll be a little bit different and packaged in a different way, but can still offer some really valuable information to get them started. Well, that sounds great. Um, I, the tailored content is is wonderful and there's people getting out of the military all the time and it would be a shame to lose that expertise when they can really apply it uh, where where it's needed. So yeah. great. That's great news. And uh, before we wrap up, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? And we'd love to hear that and share that with our, our listeners here on Victory Podcast. Yeah. So actually, I wrote about this on my piece of content and it was Gerald Dunford turned around after a fantastic event and said, you know, we were all just really impressed, of course. Um, just pretty impressive. And so we were like, gosh, that was really good. And he was like, you know, uh, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I will be the most prepared. And, uh, and I, it just really, it resonated with me because, you know, there are times that you're second guessing, um, if you, you know, are you ready? Is this the right time? And you can just kind of get frozen in that. And, but if you prepare and you walk into that room, you know, understanding your environment, you understand who's in the room why they're in the room, what, what are they trying to get from you, and really just, you know, you, you can kick the door in and feel confident. And so I think that really resonated with me. I was like, I will always be the most prepared when I am like walking into a, a situation. Well, that's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Misty Cook, the founder and CEO of a concierge on call. You can connect with her on LinkedIn and learn more about her journey and what she's up to, especially we look forward to all the great things you're going to be doing in 2023 for sure. So thank you so much for joining us here today on Victory Podcast. Thanks, Amy. Thank you.